You're listening to the Creative Outsiders Podcast, where we show women that it's possible to live their filmmaking dreams through empowerment and professional development. We feature guests who provide resources, tips, and life experiences to help you grow as a filmmaker. And I'm your host, Siobhan Adrian. So let's get into it. So y'all know, I always read the professional bio, got to let everybody shine, but um, I wanted to let y'all know, first, thank you, because we are on our very last show, and I'm excited because I really wanted it to work out this way. I didn't think it would work out this way, that I would get to interview our guest today, Nakia, as my last person, but in my mind, I knew that was my plan, and I'm going to tell y'all why. Uh, when I first really committed to being a filmmaker, I put myself out there and I reached out to Nikia and she basically was like, come on, girl, let's do this. And anybody that follows her, and you'll get her social media at the end and how you can keep up with her, you will see she is the ultimate cheerleader of everybody that she believes in. Like, you can tell her. I'm going to have a fish fry, and she's going to post it and let people know, like, you better go to Siobhan's fish fry. Come on now. So that's just something that I definitely appreciate uh, in her and even value because in our industry, it's very easy for people to get into this competitive um, mind frame, and she just, like, shines so bright for making sure she helps other people. So... Let me give you her professional bio. Um, Nakia is the the co-owner and producer and creative director for Quale Legacy. She is, well, she is still, and I'm going to say you're going to keep on being, Essence Magazine's best-selling author. She also has has been a multimedia force for over a decade. Her award-winning novels span a variety of genres from drama, romance, Murder, mystery, poetry, and even young adult fiction. A a noted spoken word artist, she has performed on stages from NY to LA. So let's welcome Nakia to our show. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Listening to you talk about me is so weird. I feel like I'm having an out-of-body experience. I'm like, that's me. (laughs) Yep, that's you. All the way. (laughs) But but I like doing that um, for people because I think sometimes we get so caught up in doing and doing that we don't pat ourselves on the back enough. So I try to make sure Mm -hmm. that I, like, read back to people, like, listen to this. This is you. You did that. Own it. Wow, that's a a good way to look at it because I I, I probably – I have to agree with you. I definitely – I kind of steam forward, so I don't necessarily look at what I've done and what I've accomplished. Um, definitely don't. I'm not a toot my own horn type of person. So when I hear it read back to me, I'm like, oh, oh, okay, oh, I did do that. Oh yes, I remember that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's cool to kind of hear that stuff back. It's like, all right, you, well done, you know, type of deal. So I'm a, that that just encouraged me to keep it pushing, like you said. Yeah. Keep doing what you do. So since you did get to hear back your professional bio and just who you are overall as a person, who does Nakia say she is? Like, how did you get to this place where you are a producer, a creative, 
a force to be reckoned with? Like, how did you end up here today? Um, I've always been a really, I guess you would say, half busybody. It's not even half I am. I'm a busybody. I've been doing <laughs> things and creating stuff since I was a little kid. Um, like, literally, I started writing in church because, I, you know, funny story, my mom was like, you better stay awake or I'm going to get you. So I used to write all these books and stuff because I was, you know, so afraid to fall asleep in church. So, <laughs> um, you know, so I've always just kind of been one of those people that just like to do stuff. Um, and that turned into being a, um, I like to call it kind of like an extreme artist, similar to how you have these extreme couponers that go out and get all the coupons they can mm-hmm. find and, you know, get stuff and they had to, stores owing their money. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of that way when it comes to art. Um, anything that has to do with art, I want to touch it. I want to uh, figure it out, find a way that it works for me. And I've just gotten really good at doing that, I guess. You absolutely have because let me tell you all something. This has only had nothing to do about her being a filmmaker but when I tell you she's just so creative, like, who do you know that can paint, who can make some bomb jewelry, and then will say, hey, oh, let me go ahead and uh, wait, because I get it mixed up. Is it knitting or is it, which one Crocheting. Is it? I haven't yeah. learned knitting yet. Crocheting. Yeah. Like, says, you know what, well, I think I can do this, and then crochets these bomb blankets. Like, you just, like, that's a gift, and I think that one of the things that I admire about you is your ability to, to just do it. So how then did you come up with that just do it attitude when it comes to film? Because a lot mm-hmm. of people try to, um, you know, I guess diminish that it's filmmakers outside of, like, California or New York how did you put yourself in position to say, okay, well, I'm going to take a stab at filmmaking? Well, I have to give um, credit to the people that are around me because I, I knew that my journey would probably lead me here, but I didn't know how it would get there. So um, maybe 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago, I wrote a book called Sweet Dreams, and I was in L.A. at this event, and I had a producer that was from BET come to me and wanted to turn Sweet Dreams into a movie, but a web series. Uh, so it sounded great. I was so excited. I got the contract back, and the way that the contract read, I would only get 1% of my work. I couldn't continue to produce my book. And I just was very – I said, no, this is not for me. I mean, they had big names on it, this, that. It was, it was just – it would have just said written – or, um, you know, based off the book by Nakia. Uh, And that to me wasn't as um, intriguing as being a part of it. I didn't want to, you know, being a part in the essence of bringing it to fruition versus Mm -hmm. just stamping my name in the bottom right-hand corner of it. So I turned that down. And it felt weird. It felt very awkward because they were ready to go. And um, I just didn't think it was a right, a good fit. Uh, so I, I, I walked away from that experience with saying, okay, well, if it's meant for me, it's going to be meant for me. So fast mm-hmm. forward, uh, about five years later, I was working with a friend of mine who was interested in turning her book into a film. At the time, 
I was uh, in a, I, I've always been into the poetry world, and I was working with a poetry group where we did vaudeville-type shows. So we did poetry, skits, comedy, music, and we had just turned it into a television series. Uh, and my friend's book, and her name is Iris Bowling, she has a series called The Heart. Those, the books were, you know, anywhere from three to 600 pages, and there's six books in the series. And I, I just flat out told her, I said, Iris, you know, this is, if you put this into a film, it's not going to be, it's, to me, it wouldn't have been as good as if she would have uh, created a television series. And mm-hmm. so um, this, was, again, was in California. We had this conversation, and we got off the plane in Richmond, and I walked up to the CW, and we made it happen. And then we produced the film. Uh, we produced her uh, film, her book, into a film. My sister at the time just had started going to school with L.A. Film School, Sierra, and she when she she cre- um, changed the book into the the book, she drafted it from book to the film screenplay. And when mm-hmm. she returned it, she returned it with one of my books already into a screenplay. So it was kind of one of those things where it was like, okay, well, I guess we're going to do a film for me too. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I have to attribute, attribute that to, you know, those different life experiences and people that were around me saying, hey, we're going to do this. And where I come from in the literature world, I've always been self-published for all of my books. So I also kind of brought that same dynamic into filmmaking. There is no such thing as we can't. It's more so, okay, how are we going to make it happen? And that's the way that I approach it, just we're going to do it. There is no question. It's, you know, if anything, there might be a question of time, but finances isn't the question. We will make it happen. And, you know, that's, that's where we are today. So in that moment of deciding that you wanted, not wanted, but you needed to turn down that opportunity with the network, how did you know that was a good decision? Because a lot of people will look like, oh, I'm getting my foot in the door, there will be other Mm -hmm. projects. How did you know, like, nope, that's not going to work for me? Well, I've always been one of those type of people that will, I would rather turn it down something that sounds too good to be true and do it myself, then, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of mess myself over in the long run. Uh, So with that particular story, though the lady was a producer with BET, it did to me, when I read the contract, that didn't necessarily mean that that my film was going to be on BET. Mm -hmm. It just was going to be produced by a BET producer. Mm -hmm. Um, and then reading that I wasn't going to be able to continue to put my work out, that was, to me, the biggest thing because it was essentially I was going to be selling my rights over. I was going to be signing my rights over to her. And, of course, she's in the industry from a different perspective, and so she could probably foresee things that I didn't know at that stage in my life, which I definitely didn't, but I knew enough. I had read enough Donald Roy's books and read enough about his life to know that uh, there is such a thing as signing over your life. And researching and being self-published, that was one of the biggest things that I noticed with self-publishing industry you're keeping the creative ownership of everything that you make uh, versus if you go traditionally published, essentially you're working for them. Uh, You cannot use those books any longer. If you decide to leave that company, they own the rights. That's what that is. When you get a deal, you're signing over the rights. So um, when I turned that down, three months later, Sweet Dreams was in essence. 
And it would not have made that sense if I had to stop selling the work. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. You know, like you never know what, you know, God has for you future forward where if you just take this thing that looks a little shiny, you know, that you could be turning down a, a much more lucrative scenario. You know, of course, being from that, I don't ever have to make Essence List again. I'm on there already, and that's all mm-hmm. I need, you know, because, <laughs> you know, I can use that indefinitely. And, right. you know, the, being on the Essence List at a time where I was, you know, I was number four on the list, They the list is ten for each category, but they only print mm-hmm. the top five in the magazine. And I'm right next to Obama on that, you know, in that uh, particular issue. So, everybody values things differently, and mm-hmm. to me, it was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I didn't sign up that paperwork. Yeah, that makes sense, and I think that's the thing that messes up a lot of filmmakers when they're first getting in the industry, that they're not aware, that they don't have somebody or have any connections that will tell them, like, hey, you know, if your big picture is, like, owning your stuff, you might not want to sell over your right. And right. I think that's good that you express that because, I mean, we all do have different goals. But for those who know, like, in the long run, like, no, I want to, like, I want my name and I want to have say. So that's just Absolutely, a good tip. because to me it's like well, I wrote these characters. I literally, except in, in Sweet Dreams, I actually wrote that book in a week and a half. Uh, so this was, there was a direct connection to me in this story being as I had, you know, it was something that was in me that I had to literally get out. Uh, it wasn't a choice. So for mm-hmm. me to then turn around and give that, put that in someone's hands who could change the way that things were, you know, there were other things in the contract, like I had to, you know, change some of the storyline and this, that, and the third. And that just, to me, it, there were a lot of things that kind of were red flags. And, the, you know, you have to be on the lookout for those things because your if your goal is to have your work here, that's mm-hmm. cool, but in that you could be losing a lot more. So you have to weigh the pros and cons. For some people, they would have taken it and, you know, you know, I'd rather turn down something that I feel like I might regret later than to mm-hmm. take something out of just, you know, the fear of regretting it later. You know, the, you know I'm just going to take it so I don't regret it. I don't want to live with regrets. Okay, well, on the flip side of that, what if you didn't take it and then you don't regret not taking it? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I think that sometimes we have to look at things like that. Sometimes we look at the name and the things that are attached but don't realize mm-hmm. what it is that we're giving up. And nowadays things are so um, – the, the industries, most industries, this goes for music, film, anything in entertainment, you can put things out and own you know, the, the, the nature of things are shifting. It's shifting from the executives of studios and production companies and publishing houses to the owners and the creatives owning and maintaining their work. Mm-hmm. So we should continue to do that. We should own, you know, not just put it out there, but say we own it. That's ours. Mm-hmm. We didn't sell it for, you know, just because, you know, it, you know, somebody some, you put out there a million dollars so much. People are like, oh, I'll sell it for a million dollars. But you, do you know how fast a million dollars spends? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, really, you know, so if if you do decide that you want to do that, make sure there's something that you're not connected with so that you can 
pretty much if I sell something to, if I sign a deal, I'm going to be sending something that I'm not going to be connected with. I'm literally going to be sending them something that's not connected to any of my prior works. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a one-time situation. So whereas I'm, I feel like I'm walking, I'm walking away with just a, you know, with a check. Right. That makes sense. So, okay, after that, so you said then you helped your friend with her project and y'all went to the CW. So how did you know how to conduct business or handle yourself in that aspect, in that arena? Because, yes, you um, had self-published and you had figured out how to maneuver in that industry. How then Mm -hmm. did you prepare yourself uh, to be a producer? Um, well, I, I pay attention. I do a lot of research. I watch people and try to figure out how things work. And then I, what I don't notice, I'll go out and I'll research to make sure that what I'm doing is as close to right as it can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to the CW, we had to show on the CW and we had to show on Fox Richmond. With the vaudeville show that I was working on, um, and, again, I'm just sitting in the background watching and seeing how it was coming to fruition. One thing I noticed is that a lot of people don't realize you can have your show on just about any network as long as it doesn't have a direct conflict with that network's beliefs and mm-hmm. you got the money to put it on there. So you can actually buy a slot and you put it on there, and then once you put it on there, you get to use their name. Mm-hmm. So just like with Essence, once I'm on the list, I don't have to be on the list again with CW. Once we, you know, went to that partnership and, and, and they agreed, they saw the show, they watched it, they saw what, we, what it is that we were working with, it didn't have any conflicts with what they had, we paid that money and we were on CW. And that was, you know, that was it. We, were, we reached a million people in the Metro Richmond area. Then we went to Fox and, and you know, reached another 2 million in the Metro Richmond area. So, um, and now, you know, things transition to with Amazon, that's a more of a global market because those were Metro Richmond able to reach a, a, a really someone in Japan can watch our film. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this reach out to Amazon. So I, I think that sometimes we get discouraged by these big names and think, and don't realize that you can go in the office and have a conversation or go to their website and look up how to get on there. Sometimes their networks are picking you up, and sometimes you can put drop it off on their desk. And mm-hmm. as long as it's nothing that, like I said, if it's if it's not anything that's you know going to have you know extreme nudity and graphic violence, and even then, if you look at some of these cop shows, they've got a graphic violence. So it just depends on how that violence plays out, but um, but if it's done in a crime drama type of way, they'll pick it up. So, you know, it, we, we were very strategic about it. Uh, we were very serious about when we went in to do the work, and we, as a producer, your job is to kind of get the thing done. So I walked in with the decision that, you know, hey, I'm going to come out of here with, you know, a six-week, how much is it going to be to put this on air for six weeks? And we did that, and they loved us. They wanted us back for the second year, and Fox just came with a better package. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's better to be, you know, go in and be told no than, you know, because you, that's the worst they can tell you is no. But mm-hmm. if, I, if I never ask, the answer will always be no. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and I think, too, a lot of that is fear and then ignorance. Um, yeah. because we don't have, like, we have a model of, like, in front of us how to be a teacher or a model of how to be a doctor. There's 
unless you have people who you're connected to, there is not an exact model. I mean, and for people who can't afford to go to school, it's like the unknown. So I think that stops a lot of people from even trying. And that's the thing. Um, I'm a big, I guess, I don't even know what word choice to use, but I'm, I guess, supporter. If If you go to school, that's great because there's knowledge that's in school that you may not get on the streets, but then there's mm-hmm. knowledge in the streets that you may not get in school. So um, nowadays there are actually a lot of – there's a lot of um, websites um, such as Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N.com. I, I took courses from Harvard instructors on photography for free. They have, a, they have digital filmmaking, digital photography courses on a lot of these different websites that you can take for absolutely free. You can go on YouTube and learn a lot of things for absolutely free. You can go to school. Um, you know, both my sister and you, Siobhan, have gone in different areas and learned some things that, you know, you get that you get that paperwork back so that you're certified in it. My sister now has a bachelor's in digital filmmaking. She can use that that piece of paper to get her positions and freelance that Mm -hmm. she may not necessarily have gotten from, you know, going and learning the information for free. So there is, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. I think that, you know, if you're, if you're mind, if you're passionate enough about it, you can figure out how to get it done, even whether or not you have the budget to do so. It's more so about how passionate, if you're passionate about it, how passionate are you? Are you willing to stay up at night and watch these videos and listen to these lectures and take these courses? Are you passionate enough to give up your time? Because time mm-hmm. is more valuable than money. Mm-hmm. It's your time. A lot of people don't want to take the time. They just want the reward. This is right. We are definitely a microwave society all the way. Yes. We want the success without the work because it takes work. And just thinking about work and us being on the set and it being like zero degrees and windy (laughs) when we were out there. Ain't nobody trying to do that. They just want to film. They don't know, like, you are outside freezing trying to get this shot. They don't know about when we went through the, that, that um, you know, we had a family of gnats that were trying to, you know. Attack us. Oh, my goodness. We were, we, me and my sister watched a, uh, a show on, uh, on Netflix, Black Mirror, and um, there was an episode that and they had, like, these micro bees that were made up. Uh, and all I could think of, they were swarming. They were coming at these people. All I could think of was where those gnats when we were on that bridge filming, <laughs> but we had to get that shot. <laughs> and there were yeah. so many of them. <laughs> yes, it was so funny, but we were determined. You know, anybody else would have turned around, you know. That's where that passion comes in from. Are you willing to sit on, lay literally flat <laughs> on the ground and hold a boom mic? <laughs> You know, or stand on top of some weird function that might actually fall underneath you because you got the shot. What are you willing to do to make your dreams come true? It is not about money. It's about passion. It's about drive. It's about commitment. Are you going to walk into a random business that has never seen you in your life, but you have to go in, you need this shot right here. So, excuse me, can I use your store because you have the perfect scenery? Okay, this ain't cost no money, but we need to use this store here, you know. Sometimes, you know, you pay for location. Sometimes you pop your head in and say, hey, can I use your set? Because this is, this is exactly what I need, and I can't afford to put this set up myself. So can I use it? I can't exactly. tell you how many things I've done and done exactly that. 
went right into sometimes they'll say no, sometimes they won't open the door. But the ones that say yes, oh, cool, what are you filming? Can I get mm-hmm. it in short? Just sign this disclosure real quick for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> exactly. You got to so, be willing to roll your sleeves up. How do you and your sister function together on the production company? Tell us how that works. Okay. So I'm the kind of – we're both behind the scenes to some extent, but I'm the one that will actually will um, – I do most of the talking with people. So I handle the contracts, um, the, a lot of the casting. She does handle casting, but from a perspective of we do uh, casting at different levels. We have people send in their resumes and headshots. So uh, does the look fit the role? Then we have them do a video with the side if they meet the next phase. The next phase we'll send them an email and say, okay, can you read this side on video so that we can see how they, you know, kind of correspond. You're not going to get the whole thing, but you're going to get a little bit. Are they going to be reading verbatim, or did they take the time to kind of commit that one line to memory and give us what they got? So she'll be on that side with, um, you know, kind of she, she works with me to look over all of the submissions. And then I'm the one that reaches out to people. I'm the one that re, um, that handles the um, locations and trying to figure out and find where we can get the locations, um, working with everyone's schedule, seeing diff- different dates will work. Sierra, she's more of, I, I'm, I'm kind of everything up to that day and making sure that the things are in place that we need. And then Sierra, as the director, she comes in the day of, and sometimes she kicks me out, but <laughs> for the most part, she's the one that, you know, that's where her technical eye comes in, and she's filming. As the director, you know, she's telling people, trying to make them comfortable as far as their role, but ultimately it's a particular thing that she has on her mind that she wants, and she's going to get that shot. She is. If we have, if we have to be there all day, she is going to get it. So, And then she also handles the editing. So whereas my job is kind of more so done the day of filming because I've done all this pre-work, Sierra is the, you know, the day of and the production and post-production person. So um, granted, there are some things I'm doing in post as well as far as, you know, the marketing and things of that nature, follow-ups and all that. But Sierra really is the one that kind of, she handles a lot of stuff that I wouldn't, I don't ask me how to put a closed caption on nothing. Sierra does it. She gets us, <laughs> gets us up on Amazon. She gets us, she gets us out there. So, um, you know, I can't, it's, it's definitely kind of, you know, the things that I can't or not as, you know, crafty and doing. I can, I could probably learn it, but Sierra already knows it. So she handles that. And the things that Sierra, she's not kind of the person that's going to go and um, do some of the, the um, person direct conversations with. I'm, she's more comfortable with me handling that, but she'll definitely let me know what it is that she needs, if she needs something communicated. So um, I'm kind of the face, and she's kind of the behind-the-scenes person, and she's okay with that. <laughs> well, see, we're, we're both okay with that. I can, I can talk a little bit more. Um, she'll, she'll speak, she does speak and talk to people and things of that nature, but when it comes to some of the more – uh, executive level th- um, decisions that have to be made directly with people, especially if there's some of the more difficult conversations, she'll let me go ahead and handle that. Yes, she will. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish I could see them both, and you would be nodding your head like, yep, that fits them. The description is all the way on point. <laughs> yes. So you all have a lot of 
um, short films, films, projects under your belt, and you are a production company, how have you been able to make that happen coin-wise? Because there are people who are interested in starting production companies, and the number one mm-hmm. thing that comes up is the money. Yes, so um, the money for us is not as much as a factor as the relationships that we build are. Uh, So I'm going to say that again because I know somebody's going to probably be like, what? (laughs) But I need them to understand. Money is not as much of a factor as the relationships are. Is money a factor? Sure. We have to, when I come on the set the day of, I make sure that everybody's going to eat. We're going to eat. If we don't do anything else on set, we're going to eat. We're going to eat and we're going to act. That's That's what we do. But... um, I, I, as an executive producer, I'm the one that handles the finances and things of that nature. There are sometimes I come to battle with my personal beliefs and what you know the way that the industry is run. So the industry right now is big on this crowdfunding, and that has mm-hmm. never been something that interests me because I'm a very private person. I don't necessarily like everyone in my business. Mm-hmm. So um, if I can find a way for us to make it happen for a minimal cost, then I'm going to do that. So this is where the relationships come in. Uh, you have to make sure that your integrity speaks for itself so that when your name is, you know, spoken in a room full of whoever, um, they can say, okay, that's a good person. I enjoy working with them. I, I've worked with them before, or they just have had a good experience with them, with you. And with that, sometimes I have to call in favors. Sometimes I have to call friends and ask them, hey, do you have a space? Do you know anybody that has a space that we can use for X, Y, Z? Sometimes I have to, you know, I'll go into businesses where um, my husband and I have dined and I ask them about using their space and or, you know, featuring them in the episode of, you know, the television show that we're working on. So uh, relationships actually get you a lot further than money will. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you can have the money to buy, you know, hey, I've got $500 to uh, rent this space out. But if they don't know who you are, never seen you, never interacted with you, then sometimes they'll turn that down. And sometimes that can be more costly than having a good relationship with someone that will do it off the strength of who you are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being a good person actually will speak volumes. So um, for, for us, I don't necessarily look at money as um, the indicator of whether or not we're going to do the project. I more so look at ways that we can do the project in the least expensive way possible, and it still has the quality of work that we have uh, held ourselves up to. Our quality is always going to be key for us, and it's not always about money. It's it's about, you know, what, what can you do with what you have. Yeah, because filmmaking is definitely a collaborative process. Yeah, you cannot be out here trying to do it on your own because you're not you're not gonna make it. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna make it, and people do realize too when you have genuine relationship versus what can I get from you. Exactly. So you never want to be that type of person where you're just only speaking to someone when you have something that you need. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna work out well. And you definitely don't want to be that person where when someone needs something that you can't pick up the phone and respond to what it is that they need. It has to be a reciprocal effort. 
and in that you you would you wouldn't believe um you know that some of the things that we've been able to um achieve or get or be granted simply because of who we are um that in and I'm talking about places that are exclusive you know we've had access to entire buildings office buildings on you know more than one occasion because you know the relationships that we have with those people these mm-hmm. are things, you know, where we didn't we, we didn't have to go in. We just made sure that we took care of the space, but we didn't have to go in with, um, you know, a mountain of money and, you know, all these extra things. We went in with, you know, hey, we're going to take care of your space. Are we able to, you know, what's the hours we can use it? And we got the shots that we needed to get during that time. Uh, same thing with, you know, we've been on sets for, or for the television show that we're working on where after we finish filming, you know, something, the owner of the business brings us out all this food. Hey. <laughs> Let me see you. Yeah. Well, great. We'll take it. Okay. And it was and it was great. Yeah. <laughs> it was great food. <laughs> so you know that that to me and then, and then that was creates you know memories for my crew and my cast and you know remember that time when we did this remember that time when we did that you know those are the things that I look forward to when it comes to filming. It's not always about you know the one thing about it. I don't like a stress set. You know, mm-hmm. when people are stressed out, it is, um, you know, it just becomes a very uncomfortable experience for everyone. You know, we don't have any divas on our set, no divos, none of that. We, you know, come in and have a good time. And that's that's what it's, you know, that's what it's really about. If you can't enjoy it, then why are you doing it? You know, I don't want anybody right. to come on set thinking that it's just a job. No, we're, we're going to have fun, period. Right. This is Absolutely true, and you can get caught off guard and end up on bloopers. Just let you know. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> the infamous blooper reels. We will, we will put you out there. Yes, we will. So, okay, you gave us some tips, and you are encouraging us, those who want to eventually have their own production team. So after that, what's next? How do I then decide what platform I should use to show my work or what platforms are my options as an indie filmmaker? Um, that's where a lot of research is going to come in. The Again, the sky's the limit when it comes to accessibility. Uh, nowadays, where it was not, you know, 20 years ago when Spike Lee was just getting into the game. You know, and Spike Lee is a great person to watch and research if you're interested in, you know, some different some of the different things that he did. He did Kickstarter before Kickstarter was existed, just picking up the phone and calling people like, look, I need, you know, they, they were stopped production on Malcolm X. He had to call everyone mm-hmm. he knew in his phone book and be risk hung up on just for the sake of, you know, getting his production out there. Uh, one of the most the most brilliant things that he said that I paid attention to was, you know, do the work. Don't worry about how the work is going to be perceived. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the research is, is going to be very, very key in knowing exactly what it is that you want to do, where you want to grow, go with your production, and make sure that you have a, a clear business plan. So if your goal is to get on Netflix, uh, here's a, a, a very, very – important tidbit. Please do not put out that your film will be on Netflix before you have confirmation that your film will be on Netflix because it is not that easy to get on Netflix. Mm -hmm. They choose who they want to put on, and there are distribution companies out there that will – uh, that you can reach out to to try to position you to, to for them to present to Netflix. You can't just present your product to Netflix. Uh, 
They go through very particular companies where they can, you know, shop things out. Or they may come to you. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's not as easy as just saying, oh, my film's going to be on Netflix. You know, that, that's not something that's going to work. Uh, if you want to have your films on iTunes, again, you want to make sure you do, you do your research. iTunes, you know, some, some, unless they've changed it since the last time that we looked at it, um, for indie filmmakers, you had to have something like 100 films before you can put the film on iTunes. So, you know, of course, uh, your average indie filmmaker doesn't have, you know, they maybe just finished their first. So, mm-hmm. again, you want to make sure that you research exactly what it is and what medium you want. Um, the Right now, the most lucrative and most well-known uh, medium probably would be Amazon. That's actually pretty relatively easier to get on versus Netflix. You'll, you'll get your film quicker on Amazon than you would get it on Netflix. Uh, Amazon has a easier platform for independent artists. They're used to working with independent musicians. They're used to working with independent publishers. And they now have a platform, um, Amazon Direct, uh, for video for filmmakers, where as long as you have the proper specs that they have, they have very particular uh, specifications and requirements. As long as your film matches that, you load it up, one to two days maybe, they'll let you know if everything goes through. Uh, the most important thing for Amazon, of course, is going to be your closed captioning because it has to be to their specifications. That's, uh, excuse me, my sister just came in, and uh, you know she doesn't really, she's not going to talk to y'all. But she just, she just waved her finger at me and said, uh, five days. So, um, excuse me, five days, guys. I was going off of the... I was going off of the publishing side as one or two days, mm-hmm. five days. See, would you say hi? <laughs> oh, she said hi, guys. Um, I mean, you can come and join in if you like. Oh, she, yeah, she just ran. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, five, um, five days is still not bad, you know, in comparison to waiting, you know, months and praying that you'll get your stuff on Netflix versus, you know, Go ahead and put it out on Amazon. I had a, I had somebody reach out to me just uh, the other day. Uh, she said, "Oh, I um, congratulations on having your film on Netflix." And I had to hurry up and go do a quick uh, search on Netflix to see if I could have it there. Because I didn't reach out. You know, I was about to hit up my sister like, "Girl, we on Netflix." But <laughs> but it actually was Amazon Prime, and this is someone that I did not know. I ne- I never met this woman in my life. She found me on um, Instagram and sent me a direct message, and she loved the film. Says she okay, uh, which is doing really really well right now on Amazon Prime. Uh, well, Amazon in general, because people that are watching Prime, they're eventually buying it. So you know that's. That, from, to me, is going to be for independent artists probably the biggest, your biggest fish um, is Amazon because they make it so easy for the independent artists to be able to get their work out there on a reputable company. Uh, mm-hmm. Then there are, of course, there are some of the other ones that are other platforms that can be used but probably is not as user-friendly, but they're, they're options. So you do have like YouTube, for example. Uh, think about YouTube. If you don't want it up, if you want to put it up for free, Mm-hmm. then you're good. 
But if you want to monetize it, there's a lot of things that you want to make sure that you get clarified up front. One of the biggest things I'm going to tell you right now, um, and this is probably even for Amazon, uh, we never probably had to deal with this simply because we own our own everything, but definitely make sure that you're not using any music from in, no samples, nothing that you don't have permissions for because Amazon can and will ask for those permissions before they release it as a monetized version. Um, the, we dealt with this with when putting the heart on YouTube. They held back one of our episodes because they had music from an artist that was actually on the show, and we had permission to use their work. So they will hold it. They will, um, you know, that's definitely something that, and then, you know, if it's free, they'll put it up. But if you want to get any type of coins from it, they are going to hold that good thing. Uh, and it, that process will took a lot longer than the process did with Amazon. So, uh, again, another quick tip, big, make sure that as you're making the film, make sure that you're owning the music. As you're making a film, make sure that you don't have logos out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, be, be very careful of that. Um, make sure that you're, you know, if the, you're using things that are distinguishable labels of, of, you know, bottles. You know, people love putting bottles of of alcohol out there. Well, the, you know, the the bottle itself could be a giveaway of who it is. So try mm-hmm. to use things that are very, very general because that can actually get you held from being able to put it on those mediums. So um, the um, uh, you have Vimeo. Vimeo is pretty good uh, as far as the next stage uh, for a paid option. Uh, pretty well known. It, it's not as, you know, if, if you wanted to do the Amazon option, you know, if you might want to, you know, you could start with the Vimeo and then go to Amazon. Uh, but, Vimeo, it's a little, it's a little different. So you want to be prepared for, you know, some, you know, this is paid services, so you have to pay to have that service. Whereas Amazon, um, you don't have to pay to have the service. So another pro time there. And then uh, another service that we use was Gumroad, uh, G U M R O A D. Uh, that was another paid service, but it did allow us to offer the ability for people to rent or buy the film. And it was, a, it was a decent platform. We still have a couple of our films on there. Uh, so it's all in where do you want your film to go from there. Of mm-hmm. course, there are still the mediums of DVD. However, it's going to – If I'm talking from a perspective of I, I like to encourage people for the lowest cost association. And if you're going to put your work on a DVD, be prepared to have, you're going to have to get the film mastered. Uh, so there's other expenses that are accounted for. You're probably looking at a $500 to $1,000 expense to go to a DVD platform and you have to find you know, someone in your area that does them. Or you might have to mail them out uh, to different companies, but they do have other specifications that may not be as swift as a method if you were to just go ahead and put it online. Mm. Well, we have learned. Look, we have learned, and I think that even you saying it is just do your research because what you need may be something totally different from the next person. So, considering green lighting somebody's project, like let's say we have people listening, and they're like, "Oh, I want to work with them." What are some things that y'all look for? Okay, so. Um I guess it depends on the scope of the project because uh, because we have so much going on uh, with myself still being an author and working on projects there. Sierra is also an author. She has um, projects that she's working on constantly, working on our own projects and just life in general. Um, sometimes we have to look at the project to see is it something that we want to tie our names to because, you know, 
again, you talked about integrity and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Some projects you simply can't tie your name to. Um, and that's not to discourage those that are out there, you know, but we, to be honest with you, we do look at that. We, we look at, okay, is this something that we're going to be able to merge in with what we have as well? So time is a factor. And then, um, to be honest, um, though, you know, of course, we look, we're looking from, we're trying to work on our end from a perspective of as, you know, little, uh, financial as, as possible. You know, we're trying to we, we we kind of place very carefully where our finances are when it comes to our film. But mm-hmm. if we're going to be doing something for someone else, we do have to look at what their budget is because we now have to include other pieces. So sometimes there's travel involved. Sometimes there's you know hiring of our you know our crew. We want to make sure that it, um, we give our crew uh, something when we're doing someone else's project. And also, this is now a you know a job that we're taking in, so we have to make sure that we're going to be able to cover the expenses that we do incur. Because um, it's not that we don't incur expenses; it's just that we try to make a minimal, and then that we try to make a minimal expense uh, when we do take on a project. So uh, those are pretty much the main three things, and also, of course, location. So if it's too far out, it's just not going to work because of our schedules that we have going on, then that might be something that might deter, but we can always make suggestions uh, for those people. Um, we, But we do, uh, there are a lot of things that we are able to do that may not necessarily be as, um, you know, anything that's local, of course, sometimes we're able to kind of work with those a little easier. But, again, we still have to look at our time factor. So, you know, that, that those are the main key points there. Okay. And, you know, I always ask at the end, what are you watching and what are you reading? Yeah, okay. So <laughs> watching, I don't watch a lot of TV, oddly enough. Um, that's just because I'm always on the go. But when I do watch TV, I watch a lot of antenna TV. I, I watch um, things like um, Law and Order, CSI, Criminal Minds, one of my favorites, um, old stuff, Cosby Show, Live, um, you know, Different World. Um, I, I really do like old vintage stuff because I kind of pick up a lot from it. And, um, yeah, I'm not really I, – I haven't – really watch a lot of the newer stuff that are out. When I do, it's kind of one of those binge situations. I like to wait until they're two or three seasons out and watch them all together. So um, as far as reading, I read I, – I, um, I haven't read as much as I would like because I'm working on so many things, um, especially right now I'm working on two um, book projects. Uh, but when I am reading, I do pick up a lot of people that are in my community, um, Iris Bowling, Loretta R. Walls, um, J.L. Campbell. Uh, she's a young lady I met from the islands that came over recently to one of the events that I was at, and she had, she had some really, really good stuff in genres that are not, you know, like paranormal romance. That interests me. You know, I like people that write different stuff. So um, Pamela Samuel Young is another um, one of my favorite authors, I like Murder Mystery, and she is a lawyer, so it always intrigues me. You know, she kind of writes like John Gresham to me. Really, really good, um, intense stuff. So, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Okay, so before I get you to give how they can connect with you, keep in touch and support, what is next for you and what is next for the production company? 
Um, for me, I am hmm, doing as much stuff as I can. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds weird, but literally, yeah. I'm trying to. I'm. Um, hmm. It's it's hard for me to pinpoint one thing because I'm always working on multiple things at a time. So, I just came out with yesterday. I'm going to be doing a line of aromatherapy pillows. Um, I missed that. How they came. <laughs> you missed that? Oh my gosh! I just <laughs> released it yesterday. I, okay, so I'm hand stitching pillows um, that are going to be infused with aromatherapy inside. So that if you're laying, if like say you have a headache or you just need to really get a really mm-hmm. good sleep, um, they're infused with like chamomile, lemon, and um, a lot of different um, herbs. But the the smell uh, will calm your senses and kind mm-hmm. of bring you down, and you know, kind of smooth you. It really works, especially for like I said for headaches or just you need kind of that scent therapy type deal, uh, or you just need a good night's rest. So um, I just created my first. I had to went through a couple prototypes before the first one I liked that I did. I was like, oh, got it. So now I've got my formula down. So I'm literally about to get into a couple more of those today. And um, then I have um, two, like I mentioned, two books that I'm working on. One is for me and one that I'm ghostwriting for another person. Um, I have the, um, you know, doing art, crocheting, and jewelry, and this and that. So I'm doing a lot of stuff personally, but um, I'm just more so just kind of like really trying to have fun and enjoy the rest of 2017 as we go into the new year. I just want to continue to have a really, really cool, um, creative year. As far as the production company, um, we did a lot this year with um, from by chance was our short film that was a scripted film that we did and was doing really, really well. We just, you know, it, it just won another. We haven't even put this out yet. We just won another film festival for that. Congratulations! And yay! So so excited about that. That was a really really good um, piece. We're trying to continue to push that. Um, Sis, you okay? Has um, been screened quite a few different places and received some really great acclaim. And now it's to the point where it's reaching, you know, uh, quite a bit of views on Amazon. It's 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 getting up there. So really excited about that, and now we're looking forward to the follow-up project for that where we're uh, hoping to open that gate to men. Because when Sis, you okay, we talked about mental health and trauma and, you know, things like that with some women, um, but we have men that were coming. We literally, we had a guy that came to the last screening, and he was like, when, when are you all going to talk about the guy? So uh, we have some we're just kind of concepting that now so that we can kind of give the guys their say and their, because they're going through experiences as well. Um, and then we are going to be filming for uh, a, a guy that reached out to us. He's, uh, it's his first film that he worked on, his first script, and he, we're working on him to do his production in January. We're still working on a television show that we, uh, that we filmed this year. Uh, Troy Michelle's Takeover, so hopefully we'll be able to release that 2018. We're also working to release uh, a, an excellent film that, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. our host, no, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> our host, Siobhan Adrian, 
has um, done a wonderful job um, with this film called Lifting Crowns, and we're hoping that we'll be able to have that completed and available in 2018 as well as we work with her because it is phenomenal, y'all. Oh, my gosh. So, um, and if I have I'm giving way, you have some <laughs> I'm giving you the Sierra side eye right now because you know how she gives me the side eye. I know, but you the phone So mm, I'm gonna, if I have my way, I'm going to encourage her to do some books with it. She already has a T-shirt line with it. I just feel like it's an entire package, some journals <laughs> or something that women can have when we do the screenings and stuff. I'm saying, hint, hint, wink, wink, Siobhan. So... <laughs> Yeah, as far as Quale, we're going to be doing a lot of that. We're going to be also releasing books under Quale as well. We're more than just films. We do uh, publishing. Um, and then we're, we are also taking some freelance. So uh, my sister uh, does the editing, and she is, you know, looking at different projects from an editing perspective as well, um, people that already kind of have their films that they've done, but they needed to be edited, polished, things of that nature. So we do take on clients and from that perspective as well. Okay, so let us know how we can keep up with you because you stay on the go and you're always busy. Um, social media, website, so we can keep in touch. Our main website is Quale Legacy. That's K-W-E-L-I Legacy.com. Um, um, social media, Quale Legacy for Twitter, at Quale Legacy, Instagram, Quale Legacy. And uh, Facebook, we have a page, Quale Legacy. Um, same spelling K W E L I legacy, and uh, for myself, Nikia Sheree N I K K E A Sheree S H A R E E. That's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Sierra, she gonna put headsets on. <laughs> hey, Summer, I'm not editing yeah. none of this out on yeah, the podcast. Your, okay, okay. What's your um? Your contact information on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Sierra Jewel, Sierra. J. Lewis, her social media, Sierra Jewel 86, uh, and then she does have a Facebook page for her phenomenal books. Oh, my goodness. Definitely go out and put her books up. Uh, that's Sierra J. Lewis on Facebook, Sierra J. on Instagram, Sierra Jewel on Instagram. So a lot of ways that you can um, check us out. Main hub for all of our stuff is going to be Quality Legacy. Okay, so I'm so thankful that you took the time to talk to us and encourage everyone that's listening, and I'm so appreciative that you closed out my season one, so I'm thankful for that. Yay, thank you for the honor. I'm glad that you said season one, because when you said this was the last one, I was going to ask you about that. Like, you mean the last for this year, (laughs) or because I, yeah. Yeah, this is it. This is it for this year, so. For this mm -hmm. year, okay. Yeah, yeah, for the year. And let me just say, um, the Creative Outsiders, y'all are doing a phenomenal job. I love what I'm saying. I get people tagging me like I don't know you. Oh, my goodness, I love it, okay? (laughs) People actually send me direct messages. Oh, look at this, look at this. And I'm like, yeah, that's my guess. And by hand, of course. (laughs) Then I'm like, oh, great, thank you for that information. But, uh, you know, we're looking at, we talked a lot about research, and you guys do a lot of the legwork for people from a research perspective, and I just want to encourage people to continue to follow the Creative Outsiders movement because this right here, especially for 
women in film is such a phenomenal thing. Uh, and this is not to take away from men, but men already kind of have a head up in the game. Mm-hmm. Women, you know, a lot of times we have to work, you know, twice as hard, and for women of color, three times as hard exactly. uh, to be able to achieve the same results. So I just want to thank you guys for and continuously to uh, push the bar. And, you know, I just love the way that you guys present your work on the the articles on social media from be it Facebook or Instagram. I like the way that things look when you put them up. Um, the readability is great. I just want to, you know, really just kind of encourage you guys to keep moving because you're doing an excellent, excellent job, and I see your growth. And I'm proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yay, that makes me happy. <laughs> All right, so y'all know until next time, make sure that you are out there living your filmmaking dreams and you're just not out there dreaming about it. <laughs>